I'd like to direct your attention to a familiar passage of Scripture, Acts chapter number 1. And then we're going to go right next door to another familiar passage of Scripture in Acts chapter number 2. If you got it, say amen. Now, Brother Tristan, I think I said verse number 5, but we really want to start verse number 4. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 4. Everybody got it? Say amen. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Now this is a famous passage of scripture where Jesus is having his final, his final meeting with his disciples. A lot of people think theologically that took place in Matthew 28, um, Mark 16, and Luke 24. No, no. This is the very last one because he ascended or he ascends to heaven immediately after this. Look at verse number five. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Everybody said Holy Ghost. One more time, please. Everybody on this side, say it. Everybody right here, say it. Everybody right here. Oh, y'all, y'all are lacking. How about over here to my left? Brother Pyatt's got every one of those dudes in on that dessert. That's why. They're all happy. Okay. Holy ghost. Everybody said ghost. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? There's so much loaded in that, but that's not what this is about today. And Jesus responded, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. So a lot of people are wondering, when is this going to end? That is not to be the focus of the church. I'm as interested in that as you are. But when he comes back, I want him to find me doing something. Look at verse 8. This is really where I wanted to go. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Acts chapter 2. Just a few more scriptures and then we'll be done. Starting in verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They obeyed the request of Jesus to not leave Jerusalem. In verse number 9 of Acts chapter 1, Jesus immediately after that ascends into heaven. Something take pla takes place in heaven that affects 
what takes place on the earth. Acts 2 and 1, this is widely known by every denomination, every Christocentric group as the birthday of the New Testament. Right here. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them. Now watch verse four. Now remember in chapter one, Jesus said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and here it's actually happening. And look at verse number four. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. One last verse, verse number 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want to talk to us about the spirit of a departed one. The spirit of a departed one. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you for your presence and your glory that is so, so reticent in this house amongst this people. Father, I pray that every single human life is not just touched, but in the absolute will of God is filled with your spirit. We ask it in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This, of course, is an incredibly familiar passage of Scripture to Pentecostals everywhere, as it should be. There's a lot of people that are under the impression that the New Testament began in Matthew chapter 1, Mark 1, Luke 1, and John chapter 1. And that is not correct. The Old Testament did not complete until Jesus said, it is finished. When Jesus said, it is finished, and he gave up the... It was an end to a religious system that required the shedding of blood for 
the atonement and remission of sins. And so, to be completely accurate theologically and biblically, the Old Testament did not end until Jesus said it is finished, which is why when talking about baptism and one of the common most general denominational responses against baptism is the thief on the cross. The requirement to be baptized for salvation did not apply to the thief on the cross because Jesus was not yet dead. To a lot of people that might be splitting hairs, but no, it's being very, very accurate because it was not yet finished. The Old Testament sacrificial plan had not yet concluded until Jesus gave up the, make no mistake about it. And I know, listen, I, I, I realize that in, in, our society and in our culture, that there is, there is a process of, of, of leaving long-held traditions. Um, perhaps your family was raised in a particular denomination with certain um, biblical passages. Um, I myself was raised United Methodist, and I was not, I was not, initially, I was not prepared for truth. It took me a process of coming to the place of accepting truth, inculcating truth, and loving truth. Because my first response was to become defensive. That's everybody's first response. Even if, even if people believe that that, that everything that's going on in the world, and trust me, there's plenty of them, there's too much for me to give some kind of um, sociological commentary on our world, but there's people that think that children should be allowed by the age of six-year-old to determine their gender. I say, you're crazy, sit down and shut up. That's crazy. And I realize that's a very gross example of the lunacy and total craziness that is going on in our world, but there are varying degrees of people that have been taught certain things, raised a certain way, that come in amongst people. Let us never take for granted, um, ladies and gentlemen, that, that this is just, that everybody should just see this and everybody should just be running to this because 2 Corinthians chapter number four, verse number three said, if our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Did you hear that? If the apostle's message is lost, if it's hidden from people, it is hidden to people that are lost. You might be sitting here today and say, no, I've been going to a church uh, in another place in the world and I, I've been uh, reading my Bible and praying. And I'm not, I'm not here to put that down. I'm not here to, to criticize that. But ladies and gentlemen, we're not talking about what I think and what you think. We're talking about what the word of God says. And the word of God is the final authority. And when we're talking about salvation, if I was sitting where you are, I'd want the truth and nothing but the truth. And I would go to the ends of the world 
if that's what it took so I could experience eternal life. Clap your hands and give God the praise. And so we're not here to be ugly. We're not here to do anything like that. We're, in fact, we're quite the opposite. We're lovable and huggable and just like big marshmallows. The older I get, the more like a marshmallow I look. And all the older people said amen. But I, I have come to this place to give this audience and, and God's people and those of you that are visiting with us, you're, you're special people. Um, you're special because God loves you. You're special because you're made in the image of God. And we are here to, we are here to reverse the effects of a corrupt world and a corrupt society that has told you who you are. You don't know who you are. We know who you are, which is why you're special to us, which is why when the lights go off and, and the air conditioning or the heat goes off, that there will be prayers that would be prayed for you, and there will be people that will be fighting for you. Why? Because we know who you are. You're not just a social security number. You're not just a little blob carrying out your little role for the president of the United States. You are made in the image of an almighty God. And you have certain supernatural inalienable rights that we are here to share with you. Oh, I wish that somebody would clap your hands and give God great praise. And when people come to Cornerstone, it's a big deal because they are now within proximity of reality. We don't say that boastfully. We don't say that arrogantly. We don't say that with pride. We say that with expectation. And we say that without hesitation. It is the will of God that every single human being on the face of this planet receive the Holy Ghost. Because it is the power that will bring you out, that will keep you out. Oh, come on, somebody. You just thought the power was to give you a little gift. That's not why God gave you the power. The power was to give you power over your nature and over sin. It is the will of God that every human being in this world experiences New Testament salvation found in the book of Acts. Not a Reformation invention. Not some important figure of the 1500s. Not some real slick theologian that's got a YouTube following of over a million. But it is the will of God that every single human being experience New Testament salvation. I am convinced of that. That's why I came to Spokane. That's why I've stayed in Spokane. That's why I'm staying in Spokane. God did not come here to make me pretty. God did not come here for me to have some reasonable, lofty existence. God came, sent me here to preach 
that there's only but one God, one message, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And ladies and gentlemen, when you experience that, I would that the people of God would help me out this morning. It'll be the greatest day in your life. The greatest day in Rick Mayo's life was not when he married Ellen Renee Bertram. That was the second greatest day. The greatest day of my life is not when my children were born. That's right under marrying my wife. The greatest day of my life is in my apartment all by myself on the corner of Fulton and Hurley in Sacramento, California, when I got down on my knees and began to pray, and there was something from another world that wrapped his arms around me and filled my soul with the power. I've never been the same. I've never gotten over it. I've never gotten over it. Somebody lift your voice like a trumpet and give God the praise. When you've entered into Cornerstone, you've entered into a dynamic of rejoicing from another world. Somebody praise him right now. A visitor might be watching you right now. A visitor might be determining their opinion of God by how you worship God. When Jesus uttered these words, you can say that this is all part of the Great Commission. It didn't end in Matthew 28. He had some additional things for them to do. He said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. There was deep theological importance to them remaining in Jerusalem. And so they begin a prayer meeting that had approximately 120 people that was in an upper room. That's where we start Acts chapter 2 in verse number 1. And while they were having a prayer meeting, the Holy Ghost moved into that room, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the will of God for February in the 21st century that every person in this room is filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. It is not a bake sale. It is not just to go through the motions. It is that every human being that's struggling to make it through this world is filled with the power from another world. Let's take a moment and give him praise. I'm not in a big hurry. I'm not going to preach long today, but I'm not in a hurry. This is what church is. Church is not having some contemporary Christian rock band. It is not having a Christian comedian. It is not having some pastor get up that's going to help you cope with the devil and cope with sin. What this world needs is a red hot apostolic church that gives you the power, that gives you. Woo! 
The Bible says that it is a promise. And if I understand the word of God, God cannot lie. I never will forget calling my pastor. I had been baptized, but I had not received the Holy Ghost. Wasn't anything the church was doing wrong, it was me. I was still learning to be around people and to harmonize with people. And I said, Pastor, I've been in this thing for three weeks now and I still don't have the Holy Ghost. So he said, I'll tell you what, when you get off the phone, he said, is there anybody else here at your apartment? I said, no, it's just me. He said, go into the apartment, into the living room, and get down on your knees and say, Jesus, I've obeyed your word. I've repented of my sins. I don't want to go back to those sins. I've been baptized in Jesus' name, and I really want the Holy Ghost. I cannot describe to you exactly how it all happened, but I can tell you this, I began to feel something. And then there was a, an image in my heart. I saw Jesus kneeling right down beside me and wrapped his arms around me. And as I began to break, I began to cry and I began to weep. There was something that filled my heart that was so glorious and was so wonderful and was so powerful that my jaw started to move and I began to speak in an unknown language. I was there for three hours. It wasn't just 15 minutes on a Sunday afternoon. I got lost in this thing. I got, I, got, I, got, I got out there in this thing. I was filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody said, Pastor, why are, you, why are you so on fire about this? Because it's real. It is not phony. It is not some religious figment of some guy's imagination in the Middle Ages that just said, I'm going to start my own religion. This goes all the way back to the ancient of days. It started in the garden with Genesis 3 and 15. It's, it started on a cross when he said it is finished. It started on the day of Pentecost. We are still in the book of Acts. We are still in a time when people are going down in the name and they're coming up with power. Oh my God, I feel it on me now. Somebody lift your voice. Somebody give him praise. Do you know somebody that is searching in your world? Do you know somebody that is sick and tired of being sick and tired? Do you know somebody? And that was just my introduction. That was just my intro. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, according to Acts chapter 2 and verse number 39. It is a gift which means you don't have to do anything to get it. Somebody said, well, pastor, there's a guy on the job that said he got the Holy Ghost and he's not yet come to our church. I believe that. 
You see, when Jesus introduced the Holy Ghost in John 14, John 15, and John 16, he said, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will lead you into all truth. If you get the Holy Ghost in some other denomination, God is trying to lead you out of that and lead you to this. And if God can't lead you, he'll leave you. God is trying to lead you out of your lifestyle. God is trying not to hurt you. And Well, I know they like to do drugs, and I just want to see them, you know. I just want to see them, you know, go through with God. That, that is nonsense. When, God, when you say, God, I don't want to sin anymore, God says, that's what I wanted to hear. Now I'm going to give you joy, and I'm going to give you righteousness. I'm going to give you peace, and I'm going to give you power. And I... God's not going to be outdone by the devil. God's not going to be outdone by a pusher. God's not going to be outdone by a one-night stand. God is not going to be outdone by a program. God is not going to be outdone in this world. Somebody clap your hands and give the King of kings and the Lord of lords the praise. For you dealing with your sin... God will give you more power. It's a gift, and it's a promise from a God that cannot lie. It is impossible for God to lie. Well, pastor, I did all this stuff, and I haven't got the Holy Ghost. You might get it today. You might get it this afternoon. The way I'm feeling right now, everybody in this building can get it today. The way I'm feeling in this right now, nobody should even think of going to your car until you've talked in tongues, until you've been filled with the power. Nobody should enter a Monday morning in the rat race of this world without the power of another... We shouldn't even think about leaving this room today until we've been filled with the power. That... It's a gift. You don't have to do anything. You, don't have, you can't earn this. Jesus has already paid for it. You just got to believe. It's a promise. I think it's really difficult. I know it was for me. It was a challenge for me to really even believe that I was a part of this thing that's from another world. I was like living out like some cartoon character in some movie in my own brain. I had to abandon that. That was part of the fantasy world that kept me in bondage was fantasy. There's people in this room under the sound of my voice. You've given yourself to fantasy thinking, to where reality doesn't seem like it's real attractive. Ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing more attractive than going to bed at night and feeling peace. There is nothing more attractive than being able to have a big grin, not a scowl, not a scowl, but a smile on your face that knows that I'm right with God and I'm right with myself and I'm right with every other human being. Woo! 
My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. My God, I feel him in this room. My God, I feel God wants to fill everybody under the sound of my voice with a promise. Hallelujah. This is an amazing reality. Yesterday, I began to look at some of the English translations of this particular passage of Scripture. And ladies and gentlemen, there are inestimable inestimable amount of translations. There's a new translation seeming somewhere in the world every single month. But out of the 51 English translations that I looked at, the older translations use the phrase Holy Ghost, not Holy Spirit. Now, I greatly wondered about this. The minute I got saved, it's just, it's just like I got an insatiable hunger for the Word of God and the things of God. And I called up a known, the man was the greatest apostolic scholar of our lifetimes. His name was Marvin Treese, Dr. Marvin Treese from Lake Charles, Louisiana. I've got all the books that he ever wrote. I've got them in my personal library. Some of you, under the sound of my voice, you probably have his books too. Incredible man of God. And I asked him, I said, Brother Therese, is there any difference between the usage of the word Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit? He said, in reality, no. They are synonymous. I said, okay. I've greatly wondered about that. I even wondered about that as a new convert, and that's when I called him. I called him when I was a new convert, and he said, no, they're, they're absolutely simultaneous, which is why most of the modern translations that are translated today have removed the word ghost. But the more that I began to think about this and the more that I began to give myself to what I felt was the leading of God, I was able to discover some unique nuances and subtleties about this. The Bible said, let us be clear, in John chapter 4, verse number 24, that God is a spirit. Everybody said amen. God is a spirit. He is invisible. He's indivisible. He's eternal. He's omnipresent, omniscient, omnisapient. He's ubiquitous. He's omnispatial. He's everything. He's infinite. But in Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 3, he said his angels are ministering spirits. Stick with me. Which means that angels are uniquely individual, individually part of the same substance that God is, which is God is a spirit. Can you get Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 3, just so these people know I'm following the word of God? And I want them to know that. Well, 
That's not the one I'm looking for. Where it says that, no, that's not the one I'm looking for either. But it said, his angels are ministering spirits sent to the heirs of salvation. How many of you have heard that scripture before? It's in the book of Hebrews. Okay, so angels are of the same substance that God himself is. But there's only one God. There's a lot of people. Let's play a little game. We got time. And when I yell out something, you, you, you yell out the opposite. Okay? Black. Rich. Up. God. Somebody said the devil. The devil is a fallen, created being. God has no equal. Let's just get that straight. When you feel like you're having a bad day, all you really need to do is hit your knees, call on the name of Jesus, let the devil, God is gonna give you more power than he gave the devil, more favor than he gave a fallen angel, more audience than he gave a fallen angel. See, this stuff is real. And until I really started living according to these realities, nothing ever happened in my life. But when I started recognizing that things were happening in my life, it was a, it was a world changer for me. Like, I, we're glad you're here. We want you to just keep coming. We're glad you're here. But you've got to understand that with you there, we have a responsibility with you there, which means that I, I would be new, doing you a disservice to let you walk out and think that fornication and depression and shame and guilt is what you need to tolerate for one more day. No, there's a man of God saying, you can end that today. You can get that devil out of your life today. You can get that problem off your life today. I have a responsibility. You know, it's just, preacher, leave me alone. No. No, I won't leave you alone. It's because this is so good that I would be doing you a disservice to let you walk out like you came in. See, this is the focus of the church. The focus of the church is not to get way out on some, on some supernatural fringe somewhere and think that somehow we're going to have an enlightenment and that's why, that's why God saved me. And that's, No, God saved you to win souls. God saved you to be a witness. God saved you and I to be a witness so that when we're on the job, people are saying, you know what, I'm thinking I'm, thinking I'm going to go to the bar this weekend, and I'm not sure I'm, I'm going to make it, but I just got to drink away my problem. That's no time for you to be silent. That's time for you to say, I'll be around about 10 o'clock. We'll go get a coffee, and let you and I go to the house of God together. Yes. Yes. Every gift and every spiritual character is added to those that are witnesses. But it starts with being a witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, 
in the guttermost to the uttermost. That's why this church is a little different. It's a little different because there's power. And you can't look at your clock and say, all right, uh, it's now 12.53 in a couple minutes. We're all going to start speaking in time. That's not how it works. And that's why I love a real apostolic church because it's so spontaneous. When the praises go up, Something comes down. That's why some of you have been sitting here all morning. You've not really been engaged. You've kind of locked into your, to, to your own little world. If you will let God invade your world, you'll say, you know what? I'm hanging up that world for this world because the power in this world, I don't really understand it all, but it's glorious. It's wonderful. I feel something. It's from another world. One more time, let's clap our hands and give him praise. So angels and God are of the same substance and essence. Right? Okay. Angels are ministering spirits, and God is a spirit, which means they have essentially the exact same substance. Let me throw you another one that you may not have heard before. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. God speaking there. God speaking there is called Elohim. Elohim is the same Old Testament word. You can go home and look this up when you get, when you get home. Elohim is the exact same word for the angels in the Old Testament, which means you have small Elohims, and you have the only Elohim. And when it gets to describing who God is, it says there, there, is, there is no other Elohim like him. There is no Elohim that has his power, that has his presence, that has his capacity, on and on and on and on and on. That is exactly why Lucifer, Satan said, for God does know in the day that you eat thereof that you shall become gods. Where did he come up with that? That word in Genesis chapter number three is Elohim. So my point is, is that you can have the same substance and be talking about something different, like I'm using this when we talk about ghost and spirit. The terms are identical grammatically and textually. There is no issue. But the word ghost means something in our culture. When a house is haunted, we say, dude, there's a ghost in there. If you get on YouTube, you're going to have people that have all these little deals on there where they, they've seen a ghost. And the, a ghost, by definition, is the spirit of a departed one. But he's bugging me. 
I remember years ago I was talking to somebody on the phone that said, you know, I'm having this, you know, doors are closing, windows slamming, there's, our house is haunted, there's things on my life, there's things, you know, that are bugging me and bothering me and, and my thinking's not right. Why, what should I do? Come to church. No, we don't need some hundred soul prayer line. You don't even need to anoint a hanky. Just come to church. And if that church service becomes, it gets to a certain level where the presence of God is there, the spirit that you brought in with you is going to start getting real nervous. Uh, let's get out of here. Aren't you hungry? Aren't you tired? It's loud. It hurts. Um, maybe we should get out of here. I remember, I remember I was in the Rock Church sitting on a folded metal chair, ladies and gentlemen, with old Russian reject carpet. It was. It looked like a Russian reject carpet with folding metal chairs. It was very crude. It was hanging fluorescent lights. Didn't look anything like what we have today. And I was sitting right about where Brother uh, Corey Loomis is. And there was a spirit that was telling me, you don't want this. While people were praising God and, and, and worship was gone, there were voices that were, there was voices talking to me. While I, there are voices that have been talking to some people while you've been sitting here like, you know, I'm not really sure about this. And I, you know what? I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I rebuke that spirit off of that person. If the power gets to a certain level, then people in the back, all of a sudden, they go, you know what? I guess I'll do it too. And some guy over here, he says, I think I'm going to take a lap. And pretty soon, the power of God becomes all in all. Go ahead and clap your hands and give God the praise. That's why Cornerstone, we don't have a day off. We don't have a weekend off. We can never take a service and take it off. Now, I understand. I understand. Pastor, don't try to get me to do that stuff because I, I ain't, I ain't going to do that stuff. I understand. That's exactly what I said. I said, you ain't going to get me to run. You're not going to get me to jumping down. You're not going to get me to shout. You're not going to get me to do all that stuff. It looks stupid. But I couldn't deny what I felt. But ladies and gentlemen, when the church started praising the more I started feel like an outsider. They were part of a party that I wanted to get in. I always gone to party. Hey, man, we ain't got any Coke tonight, but we got a couple, you know, couple kegs, and we got some good stuff, and I'll be there. Before it's all over, I'll probably have a lampshade on my head. Before it's all over, I'll probably be on the floor and people be stepping over me because I was a party monster in this world. Well, ladies and gentlemen, when I got in this party, it's no wonder that I feel like yeah, I'm just absolutely on 220 because it's from another world. He set me free from the depression. He set me free from suicidal tendencies. He set me free. Somebody in the back, lift your voice and shout with a voice of triumph. This party's for everybody. You know, at least up in these parts, up in the Northwest, people are, and I'm not being critical. I'm just making a true statement. People say, you know, I'm, I'm used to going to a you know, much smaller church, and I feel kind of inconspicuous and kind of out of place. You're so welcome. Don't worry about this. If you think it's big now, come back in a little while. It's going to get bigger. 
We didn't move over here to get smaller, ladies and gentlemen. God didn't open the door for us to get involved in this thing to get smaller. This thing's for everybody. This thing's for people driving down the interstate today. This thing's for people on this overpass that they're almost done. Come on, somebody. This is for everybody. No. We're glad you're here. We're not mad. We're not sad. We're the people from GLAD. You don't need to be nervous. Listen, if the pastor of the church is going to sit over here and do whirly birds, he's not really too concerned about what people think. And I'm not doing it to offend anybody else or to become a spectacle. I'm doing it because I'm excited about Jesus. I'm doing it because you're here. And I just know that once you get what I've got, (laughs) anybody going to help me out out there? Anybody understand what I'm really saying here today? This party is for everybody. Over 220 times in the Old Testament, the Bible uses the phrase in the Old Testament, Spirit of God. Most notably in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 2, it says this, and the earth was without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Why didn't he say Holy Ghost? He said, Spirit of God. I've got these answers. I'll share it with you here in a little bit. Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse number 6. And he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And another 217 times And additionally, nowhere in the entirety of the Old Testament is the term Holy Ghost used. Spirit of God is used several hundred times. Spirit is used a bunch of times. But the terminology, phraseology, Holy Ghost is not used anywhere until the New Testament. And somebody said amen. Now, the word ghost is used a bunch of times in the Old Testament. Genesis 25 and 8 says this. Then Abraham gave up the ghost. What does that mean? According to Jewish lore at the time of Jesus and the disciples, according to Jewish lore, a human being that had died, their spirit does not leave their body until the fourth day. Which might explain why when they came and told Jesus, Lazarus is dead. Okay. Let's wait a couple days. When Jesus went to Bethany, Lazarus had been dead three full days and three full nights, which means he got there on the fourth day. 
Isn't it interesting that the resurrection of Lazarus is the last miracle before Jesus was apprehended and persecuted and ultimately crucified? Isn't it interesting that the first miracle he did was change water into wine? And the last miracle involved a resurrection that was beyond mysticism and lore. There are so many people that are into the paranormal. How many, listen, if you're driving at night and you turn on the radio, there's going to be some weird music that comes on. This is Art Bell, coast to coast. Tonight, we have our first UFO abductee from Liberty Lake, Washington, that will be with us tonight. Somebody that actually survived apostolic church service from Cornerstone will be our second guest. We'll be talking in tongues with no translator. Yeah, people are into this paranormal stuff. Honey, did you hear that? No, what was it? A door closed. There's a ghost here. So the husband says, honey, the handgun's in the dresser. You go downstairs and look. Some of you are looking awful guilty right now. Get a big dog. That's a great security system. Get a big dog, just like Zach and Whitney's. How big is that great day now? I heard you guys are getting rid of him. They wanted a big security system, so they got a dog that's like this, okay? Honey, I heard something. Somebody's in the house. Ah, don't worry about it. It's, the house is haunted. The ghost. Door slams. You hear somebody walking on those creaky wood boards. What was that? I can't get to sleep. Take another melatonin. I got some of you. I'll keep going. NyQuil PM. I'm going to get everybody. I can't take it. Our house is haunted. When you get into an apostolic church, man, a guy just got up and ran. It ain't haunted. It's filled with a ghost. No, you ain't getting this yet. When you get the holy ghost, that ain't there to scare you. That's there to deliver you. That's there to heal you. That's here to bless you. That's there to empower you. That Come on, somebody. The word ghost is also used in Ecclesiastes 12 and 7. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Paul said it best, and he said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Even in the day of the disciples, there was a little bit of superstition. I know that because we have several instances. Let's look at Luke chapter 24 and verse number 37. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. 
Matthew 14, 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. For they cried out with fear. Now, the word ghost has now been replaced with spirit in modern translations. But I wonder about some things. Jesus said in John 14, 17, I am now with you, but I shall be in you. In John chapter 7, verse number 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Of course, drinking means to ingest. It's to get something inside you. It's to put something inside you. Go to the next verse. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly. Look at this. I want you to see this. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said. He didn't even leave that to a, a pastor or a preacher or a prophet or our, fa our favorite religious personality. He said, according to the scriptures, if you will believe, then out of your belly, from your innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. Last verse, verse 39. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive for the... The Holy Ghost... Wait a minute. The Spirit of God is described several hundred times in the Old Testament. The Spirit is used independently buku times in the Bible. What do you mean the Holy Ghost wasn't available? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus had to die, buried, resurrected, and ascended. Well, if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that the approval of God always follows blood. That's what the mercy seat was all about, that once the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat, then the spirit would move. I've heard wives' tales uh, these are widely known that in the Old Testament that they used to tie a rope around the high priest's ankle that in case he went in to offer sacrifices that God, if God was displeased or would not receive his offering that God would kill him and no human being could go after him. So they tied a rope around. This is not in the Bible. It's just part of the lore of Judaism that in, in the event that the high priest was killed, he was the only one that was allowed to go on the Day of Atonement into the holiest of all and sprinkle the mercy seat with blood. But when the blood was received by God, then the Shekinah, the Bible literally calls it the Shekinah, the presence of God, the Spirit of God, the only human being that was allowed to feel the Spirit of God on a yearly basis was the high priest. The 12 tribes, the millions of God's people were not allowed to feel God's presence. The priesthood was not allowed to feel God's presence. The Aaronic priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, none of them 
were allowed to feel the presence of God. Just one man, a high priest that went in to the holiest of all. He went through the three veils and he would sprinkle the blood of a sinless offering and he would sprinkle, or an unblemished offering, and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And when God received that offering, there was a fringe on the bottom of his priestly garment of bells and a pomegranate. And all of the nation of Israel, several million strong, held their breath while the high priest went in through the outer court and went into the holy place and went into the holiest of all. And they all held their breath. Is God gonna be angry with us? This is a big deal. This is an entire culture that was dependent on whether God was upset with them or not. In our day and age, they curse him on movies, they curse him in professional sports, they curse him on the job, they curse him everywhere. But this was an entire culture that walked in reverence before God. And so as the high priest made his way in, the dogs were told, sit down and be quiet. And they listened. And once the blood was approved on the mercy seat, they heard the tinkling of bells as the high priest in the Shekinah and the glory and the presence of God danced and worshiped God. Fact. Truth, reality. Jesus said, all right, you guys are going to receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But I want you to wait in Jerusalem. Hang on, I'm almost done. For you clock watchers, I've been preaching almost an hour, and it's gone by like I've only preached five minutes, which is encouraging me to go longer. Jesus said, all right, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father is given unto you. And then you shall be witnesses. After you get the power, you're going to be witnesses. You're not just going to be witnesses in Jerusalem. You're not going to be just witnesses to your relatives. You're not just going to be witnesses in your backyard. You're going to be witnesses to the known world. And so in verse 9, it said, when he was finished speaking, Jesus ascended. And so I'm going to dramatize a little bit what I think happened. Peter's looking around at everybody and said, well, you guys know I got the keys. So I guess we should go pray. That's exactly what they did. They took care of a little church business. They drew lots to fill the position that Judas lost. They said, let's go have a prayer meeting. And while they were praying, something happened. When you pray, something's supposed to happen. Now, most people, because you've been programmed by the propaganda of the way that you were raised, if it doesn't happen right now, that reinforces your unbelief. But to a person that knows God, that says, it's done. 
See, the reason why a lot of people are going to be lost is because they're too impatient. Impatience will send people to hell because they have been, they have been developed and raised by a culture that is impatient. which is why patience is the first character that God produces in us. Because through patience, you possess your... How does God produce patience? He doesn't give you what you ask for. See what you're going to do. I went through this. The devil says, well, when God goes to working on this ex-rocker... <laughs> The party's over because he's thinking tiki hut with the grass skirts is right down the road. I'm preaching to some people right now. The devil's got you totally programmed. You don't get exactly what you want, what you ask for. Your flesh says, I got the answer. Let's just go get drunk. Let's just go get high. Let's just get on the internet and just lose our souls for hours and days in internet pornography and feed our addiction. Oh, I'm, in, I'm still in the Holy Ghost. I haven't left planet Earth. I know just exactly what I'm preaching right now. I'm here that God, if you say, God, I'm done with that, God says, good, I got something better for that. God, I'm done with this, good, I got something better for you. God, God I'm done with this, good, I got power for you. God, I'm done with this, I got love. And you just start going higher and higher and higher, and everything about you changes, and you now learn to wait on God. So they go and have a prayer meeting. Man, I don't know what time the pizzas show up, but I've been praying all day with these guys. What was going on while they were praying? Jesus, we know this because the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, Jesus ascended. And everybody knows that the tabernacle plan was a pattern of the heavenlies. And just like the high priest walked through the outer court with that little urn of blood, and then he walked through the holy place on his way to the holy of holies, Jesus ascended, went into the holiest of all, and presented himself as a living sacrifice. And now that the blood that was shed for the sins of the whole world was accepted, and suddenly, from heaven, there was a sound. And the spirit of the departed one said, I'm back. And they were all filled with the spirit of a departed one. It's not difficult to receive the Holy Ghost. 
It's a gift and it's a promise. I've already mentioned that people are really, really impatient. I was just praying for, I was in California a week and a half ago, just preached there one night and came home. And there was a gentleman there, and I've seen this many times. And I went to pray for him, and he was just like reciting something that he had kind of ritualized. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Something like that. And I'm not, I'm not making fun of him, but I'm saying, don't say anything. Let God do it. And I couldn't get him to stop. It's like, it's like he was convinced that this is how I'm going to get the Holy Ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, it is not difficult to get the Holy Ghost. It's not difficult. It is a promise, and it's a gift. But you do have to expect that what God said, God will perform. You know, if a parent says, yeah, we're all, we're, we're, we're going to go somewhere. And then the night before you're supposed to go somewhere, he says, well, I changed my mind. You know, you do that too many times, your kids are going to go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've heard this before. Oh, yeah, God said he was going to heal me. And I'm, yeah, when you get mature, God doesn't do that to everybody. But when you get mature, you realize, oh, God's let me go through this. Or when you get to the master class, this is for guys that preach incontinence. In Acts chapter number 16, when the apostle Paul was in Asia Minor, he actually had already been in Europe. That was in Acts 16 in Macedonia. But now he's in Asia Minor. He was on two different continents. He preached in two different continents. But in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, God revealed, you have a thorn in the flesh that is really a devil. And I'm not taking him away. I'm an apostle. I've cast devils out of people. I've seen people here. I've, 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 I, 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 Paul didn't whine. Paul didn't backslide. Paul didn't grumble. Paul didn't twist his face up. Paul didn't go and secretly get on psychotropic drugs because he just couldn't handle life anymore and handle the thorn in the flesh. He said, God, I accept this. So rather, I'm going to rejoice in my weakness because I'm when I'm weak. Now I've got your strength. That's the master class. That's not for everybody. Those are for people that are super spiritual. When you're super spiritual, God's going to let the devil attack you and not remove him. And you just say, all right, I accept this. I will rather rejoice, therefore, in my infirmities. And look at the greatest paradox of apostolic living. For when I am weak... Then am I strong. That's not for everybody. But it is not difficult to get the Holy Ghost. If people really expect to get the Holy Ghost. Now remember, it's a promise and it's a gift. And the Bible said, from a God that cannot lie. It, God is incapable of lying. If there's going to be some deceiving going on, God will just use the devil to do it. But God cannot tell a lie, will not tell a lie. But I'm going to tell you, the spirit of a departed one, 
has been in this room all afternoon. In fact, that spirit, that's why Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's won a right to just hang around and be with me. But if I filled my life with the world and things in the world, and now I'm like the world, I don't know how to wait on God. I don't know how to believe God. I don't know how to trust God. But I'm here to tell you, it is the will of God that everybody under the sound of my voice receive the Holy Ghost today. Do you believe that with me? Let's stand. Musicians, you may help us. Man, I didn't know Brother Jordan could make all that stuff. Special orange marmalade with special spice imported from the Queen of Sheba. It is the will of God, Brother Carlos, that every human being in the sound of my voice Receive the Holy Ghost. And so we're going to do something here for the next few minutes before we're dismissed. I'd like every single person that's sitting here today, we're not going to take a long time to do this. I've already kept you a little bit longer than I intended to, but I'm asking everybody to come into this altar here today in Jesus' name. Would you join us? Everybody that's sitting in a pew, just come on down by the authority of the name of Jesus. God is good, God is great. God is so greatly to be praised. We're so delighted you're here. Come on, come on, bring your kids, but come on, come on. This is for everybody. This is for everybody. If it's appropriate, go ahead and take that visitor by the hand and just bring him down here with you. Say, man, I'm with you. No, you're among you're among friends here today. You're not. I want us to lift our hands. I want us to create an environment where the Spirit of God is on the move here today. Let's pray. It's a gift and it's free. It's a promise. I can't earn it. There's nothing I have to do but believe and trust God. I believe that he, he died for my sins. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I, 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 don't want, I don't want to live in sin anymore. Forgive me for my words, my thoughts, my actions. Come on, let's lift our hands and pray together. I need some brethren here, some ministerial brethren to help me here today. I'm one man. I cannot do all this. But I want you to lift your hands right now and believe God. It's a promise. It's a gift. God, by the authority of the name of Jesus. Maybe there's a brother that could just lay your hand over on the shoulder of somebody and begin to pray with somebody. Look around you and see maybe there's a visitor that's praying. Come on, that's it. That's it. Too many people give up before they actually believe. Too many people throw in the towel without believing and trusting God right now. Come on, let's lift our hands and let's believe God. Everybody in this house, 
should be filled with the Holy Ghost. continue to pray together in the name of Jesus. It's a gift. It's a promise from a God that cannot lie.